Welcome to episode 24 of the Muck Podcast, where we discuss the dark and sometimes weird true stories in American politics. I'm Tina Jaramillo. And I'm Hillary Doherty. Hillary, this week. Yeah, Tina. Black Lives Matter, Tina. Yes. I'm tired of this, and everybody better start getting on board. And this is going to come out two weeks after what's actually happening this week. Yes. uh, Which was the murder of George Floyd by the Minneapolis Police Department. And they're burning police stations down, and people are angry. Listen, when you ignore racism that's been existing since God knows when, the beginning of the start of this country, when we took it over, invaded, it's, listen, I can't. It's too much. So I'll be going to a protest today in Broward, but, you know, we need to move beyond the protest. There have to have, we have to have real conversations about this. There has to be, yeah, police departments have to have bias training continually, not just once when you get hired. Like there needs to be a bias training because everybody has these inherent biases against certain races. And we have to start unlearning all of these things that we know. Yes. And we have to elect progressive DAs. We have to elect progressive state attorney candidates. Yeah. We have to elect progressive sheriffs. Right. We need to. It shouldn't take days to arrest somebody who murdered someone. I don't care if they have a badge on. That shouldn't, it should not take days to do that. You're right. The most powerful way to fight back is in the voting booth. But having your voice heard, that's what this country is about. That's what it's about. Protesting is what it is. It's, it's, yes. it's, it's, it makes it's the, the First Amendment. Yeah. And it makes things happen. Freedom of assembly. Yeah. We wouldn't have uh, LGBTQ rights today if it wasn't for Martha P. Johnson. Um, throwing that brick at Stonewall, you know, these were, those were protests for days. They protested for days in New York and that kicked off the, uh, the rights for the gay community. So yes, we have to remember all of those things. We, this country had a revolution. It was a revolution. The revolutionary war was a major humongous protest that we aren't going to put up with your shit anymore. So like, what the fuck? I know. And everyone needs to be on board yeah white people need to be on board enough it's enough of it yeah and stop raising your kids to be fucking racist oh my god okay i can't anymore i i I can't either and i'm tired of these these videos i saw another one of these videos with this woman she was so disgusting telling um latinx folks to stop playing music and that they needed to play american music like well go read a history book yeah God. All right. Well, I know. But you know what? Like we every time we open up the show, we've been talking about COVID or we complain. Like I complain about my bird bath. <laughs> but these are real issues. These are real things. These are real problems that exist in the world, you know? And I can't believe. Well, actually, I can believe that racism has now outdone COVID, right? Like now right. people are up in arms about Racism, once right. again. And people are risking their lives. Yes. To protest. Yes. They're risking their lives during a pandemic because of of this ridiculous behavior. Yeah. This ridiculous... He should have been arrested. All of them, really, should have been arrested immediately. And that poor uh, 17-year-old mm. child who had to record it yeah. and, and, and had to witness it and because she couldn't step in and, and someone I know, um, a friend of mine, Keith posted about how brave it was for her to do that. And that we have this record 
yes. that if it wasn't for her to take this record that yeah. is this historical document, that this is the evidence. Yeah. We may not even know. That's right. Everything, you know, so for her to stand there as a kid with cops surrounding her and keep that button going, like, yeah. That, that, I, I forgot who said that this week. I think it might have been Will Smith. He said racism didn't go. It's just being recorded. Yes. It, you know, it just because you didn't think it existed anymore. Now you just have accurate because everybody has a fucking camera in their yes. hand, like a, a, an actual video camera in their hand. So you know, it's not going away. It's just being filmed. And it should make you really so. uncomfortable. Yeah. Yes. You know, oh, good. God. Okay. We're going to begin. All so right. today, so... Well, I'll get into it, but today I'm going to tell you the story of current, current Warren, Michigan mayor, James Fouts. So James Fouts has served as Warren's mayor for four consecutive terms beginning in 2007 and prior to that served as councilman in Warren for 26 years. Wow. Been around a long time. But when damaging audio tapes of Fouts emerged during Fouts' 2019 re-election bid, Fouts' bigotry is revealed, yet, yet had very little impact on the election. Right. And so I chose this person this week because this to me is, is, is the microcosm of the bigger problem mm. in America, right, with racism. And when I read that this guy won, despite the vitriol, despite the disgusting language and actions for years, it, it, it made me sick. And it's, and it's, I just had to dig into it and see, like, what the hell is going on? And this is in Warren, Michigan, which is, um, I want to say, the third largest city in the state. Wow. The third. And so it's, I think it's got a hundred something thousand people. GM is a big employer there. Okay. So I feel like it's more blue collar. Okay. Um, it's about 75% white, mm-hmm. um, and that's in recent years. Uh, for a long time, it was like 90% white. And just to take Broward County in comparison, like Broward County is like 30% white, 30% Hispanic, 30% black. Okay. You know, it's... it's yeah, those are, So those are higher, number, higher numbers. Right. And yeah. so the only other thing that comes out of Warren that I know of is ticket uh, ticket slim shady. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> that's all. But the rest of it, you know... So, um, <laughs> I added to it. I'm sorry. That's so good. So, um, I've said this quote on this podcast before, but I love it. And it's from the crucible and it's, we are what we always were in Salem. Mm. Only now the crazy little ch- children are jangling the keys of the kingdom and common vengeance writes the law. We are what we always were in America. Yeah. A, a racist fucking shit. Yeah. Country. Like, sorry, you know, we're corrupt. Um, and in the play, the children are powerless and because in that Puritan culture, they're, they're, they are completely powerless. They have to, uh, be seen and not heard. Their eyes are always cast down. Mm. Like that's just the culture of, of children like that. They, they, they're little freedom and for, and then they end up with power. And so I was thinking about like, who are the crazy little children? And to me, it's the horrible the irrational folks that are motivated motivated by this so-called fear, right? This made-up fear of the other that they're using to to take control of this country right. and take over, you know. And when we continue to elect people like this, who feel who then like Trump, who has the power to appoint judges and and these seats that are going to last thirty years, 
lifetime sometimes. That's, yeah, that, yeah. that's yeah. It, it's, it's what are we doing? Right. We can't take them off once they're appointed. And so it just, it just highlights to me the larger underlying problems of everything. Well, it's, the, it's, it's the one thing that, you know, really, really smart, evil people know is that if you say they're bad and you're really good, everybody wants to belong. It's a human, all, we're human. And so we can be manipulated all the time. And one of the things that's really common to being a human is belonging and being a part of something. And so to, when you can, as a leader, separate those two groups, like saying right. Mexico's sending only rapists and drug right. dealers, why are they taking your jobs? Right. Using, using the language. Um, and we've seen it now, um, even this week with the protests, uh, thugs. Yes. Right. It's, it's pointed. It's yes. Specific. It's a dog whistle for sure. Come on. Yes. But God. people fall for it because they, then they're like, Oh my God. And they fear oh and they're less than, and they know it and they just can't, instead of looking at their own lives and figuring out why the fuck they're so in a bad place, they want to blame somebody else for right. it. And so that's how it happens. People, and it's always the people of color yeah. who get blamed for everything. Look at it's history over and over yeah. and over and over again. All right. So white people suck. They do. We need, we need systemic change so desperately in this country. So um, let's talk about this guy. So in a Vice article written by Trevor Bach, he explores the racism of Warren. And he spoke actually to several people. And he spoke to one black woman who said that in Warren, some of her white friends have warned her of stores that charge black people more. And she also noted that people like Fouts, he speaks their language. Um, that's sort of why he gets elected. And he also, in the article, pointed to others who said that they like Fouts because, quote, he speaks his mind. So, so to me, then this is what they say about Trump, right? He speaks his mind. And to me, that's a euphemism for, he says, hateful, hurtful, bigoted things, right? But we're going to say speaks his mind. He says the things (laughs) that should not be spoken because they're racist, they're racist thoughts, but we're applauding it because we think that too, but we've been taught as a polite society that that's not okay. Guess what? It's not okay. Yeah. It's not okay to say those things and it's not okay to think those things. But if you're not saying them and you're still thinking them, then you have a lot of work to do. Yes. You know, but, but when they kick that door open, it could be about anything. I remember Republicans standing on a stage that were running for office. It was not that long ago. It was probably two presidential campaigns ago and they kicked the door open to abortion. Never, ever, even if it's incest or rape. And when that door got kicked open, that person in particular, oh my God, I want to say it was. Uh, the guy who plays bass and is on Fox News. What's that? The the old uh, or the the, um, the Huckabee. Ugh. I want to say it was Huckabee, and he kicked that door open, and it was shock. People were shocked, even in the Republican Party, because Republicans were actually for abortion if it was incest or rape. Right? That was a tenant. Like that is how it was. Right. And when he kicked that door open, it for that moment on, every Republican nominee has had to say or is saying. Right. That's how they feel. And not just, not presidential nominees. Any office a Republican is running for yes. from the fucking, uh, down the street to the state house in any state, that is now the thing is That's rape, never, ever, or, or abortion, never, ever, ever. Right. And the language with that too, when they change, and it, we've seen it in Florida, when they change language yes. on the, um, on like the heartbeat bill and thing like that, yes. when you look through the bill, you'll see where they struck out the word fetus and replaced it with the word baby. Yes. It's and always like that. Yeah. You know, it's like, go do some science. Yeah. Do some science research, please, people. Mm. 
God. We're going right. to go down, go down a hole, girl. I know. This is just... This. <laughs> All right. So I want to take a look at this guy's career. So Fout says that he's an independent, and he was once a Republican, and I think he was actually once a Democrat, and he did support Sanders in 2016. I feel like he's probably like a libertarian mm-hmm. kind of guy. Um, and as a city councilman, according to Bach, he was this approachable politician who gained the people's trust, and he helped clean up the city, was accessible, you know, things like that. And as mayor, Bach noted that Fouts ironed out the city budget. He brought in these LED streetlights that were like a big deal and reinstated the EMS transport. But throughout his career, he allegedly has had like verbal and physical outbursts and is a little out of control. And there's a lot of tapes. So on our sources, um, there's a ton. And there's Steve Neverling. Um, he actually has a SoundCloud um, it's a Michigan muckraker uh, journalist, and he has a SoundCloud with all of these clips where you can listen for yourself the secretly recorded tapes of this guy and the disgusting things he said. So um, I want to give you some examples of these outbursts and his behavior as mayor. So in 2013, he dealt with some blowback from a scandal where a staff member recorded bouts acting in a threatening way. And that ends up re- resulting in the city paying $175,000 and another $48,000 in private attorney fees for Fouts. So in the end, no charges came against him because he said threatening things, but it there was no statute. There was no law that says, like, he can't say this. Okay. And so um, this is an excerpt from the tape. If I had a baseball bat, I'd beat the, and it's beeped out, down to the, I'm assuming effing ground. I mean, it would take me just a little bit to get a effing gun and blow his effing head out. That's how pissed off I am. Did he say the N word in there? No. Oh, it's, it's, uh, what does he say in the beginning? I would, I, I think, um, it says I would beat the bleep. Okay. So he he could say asshole or something. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So this Steve Naveling, I would love to get him. On our little muck because Girl. he, um, first of all, it's little muck, little muck. <laughs> He's done all of these, um, just, uh, great investigative work. Um, so anyway, in 2014, um, he was, uh, writing for Motor City Muckraker and, Ooh. uh, Fouts allegedly lunged at and threatened to cut treasurer Carolyn Masseri's budget. She said he was angry about a statement given in the news a year prior, Furthermore, in her complaint, she says that the city has paid over $300,000 in suits due to his behavior. And in a taped call, he had, he had this to say about her. Uh-oh. All she does is sit around all day and finger herself and watch television. Whoa! First of all, that sounds like a nice day. Second of all, <laughs> what the fuck? Can you... Who's... Wait, th- wait a minute. Who's recording these calls, though? So... Like, how did... Who is recording calls like this? Because he I, he has this reputation so people, of saying stuff. So there's these recorded calls. Holy so the shit. other thing, so I need to say, <laughs> oh I need to God. say with these recorded calls is that a lot of them are alleged um, because there's no, he's like, that's not me. That's oh, not my voice. F- right. And oh so there was a time they even brought in a forensic voice analyst that was like, <laughs> no, actually it is you. Yeah, play the part about the fingering again. Let's yeah. That. <laughs> so. that happens on Judge Judy sometimes. Yeah. There's somebody in the case of the court for like 10, 15 minutes and they have a very distinct voice. And then all of a sudden it's like someone goes, Oh, I have a tape of this and they play it and it's, it's the person. And she goes, yeah. that's not me. Yeah. <laughs> <And this laughs> Judge Judy's like, are you kidding? Yeah. Give me a break. <laughs> what are you talking oh about? Oh my God. So in 2014, a group wanted to have a reason booth. 
put in um, like the city hall area because I guess there was a prayer booth that was set up for a long time. <sighs> and so people were like, well, let's put a reason booth up. Like, come on. What, what, and, what is that? Reason? Like reason versus prayer, like science. Oh, or, my you know what God. I mean? Like just to people combat. Are too much the time prayer. on their hands. <laughs> to combat the prayer group. <laughs> I hear you. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and he vetoed that. And so there was this lawsuit filed saying that Fouts violated the First Amendment. It's like, what's going on in this town? Yeah. Um, according to Tressa Baldus of the Detroit Press, in 2017, he was accused. This is my one of my favorite oh, parts. Oh, God, help me. He was accused of hooking up with his assistant, possible lover. So there's no confirmation. However, there's secret video, and I have a link to the YouTube secret video oh, of my them God. on a trip holding hands. Yeah, well, yes. P.S. He's 77. She's, I want to say... Definitely under 35. I saw some people say she was 25 at the time. Some say 30. Damn, She's bitch. super cute. Super cute. What? Yeah. And so, also, so like, there's now a video like who this guy I, is being like <laughs> surveillance all like this yes. all the time because he's always causing trouble. This is crazy. So this, though, is is great. So he is accused of trying to set her up with a lifetime job protection. So he was putting this order saying, because she had this job like as his assistant. Yeah. Like, so if I'm out, like you never lose or your I job. Or I die. I mean, I'm right. pretty old. Right. He's yes. old. Yes. So they were supposedly filmed holding hands. They went away for a weekend and he wouldn't elaborate. It just said like it was a work, like we were on this work trip. And the ca- it's the camera's so funny. Like it's grainy and it zooms in on like the hotel's name and it zooms back out and then it zooms on them holding hands and it zooms back out. And oh like they're God. at a restaurant eating. It's... And it's like all these, uh, you know, they have like this text coming up going, oh, there's the mayor enjoying a nice meal. It's so funny. It's so great. So, um, and she made $71,000 as his assistant. And she was allegedly the only one in the office that year to get a raise. And it was an 11% raise. Damn. 11%. I've never seen a raise like that in my life. He's 70 something. She's 20, 30 something. Yeah. Yeah, She's get. she's earning the 11%. Believe me. (laughs) Wait until you see his, wait till you see his, what he looks like. Oh, my God, I'm dying. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> so in 2017, he was found in violation of campaign, uh, violating the Campaign Finance Act, and he had to repay the city about $713 because there was a speech event that he was giving, like, on behalf of the city, and it ended up turning into a fundraiser, and then, like, they didn't write it down or whatever it was, so he just paid the money back. In 2017, he upset the Royal Oak officials when he wrote on Facebook that a woman's death in a house fire was a, quote, murder caused by, quote, gypsies. He removed the post and Scott Daniels Patch's article noted that the fire was under investigation, but there was no indication of homicide as of yet. But he was just like, yeah, these gypsies murdered. No, now now we're going to put fear about yes, gypsies in yes. town. I mean, and the this fucking is gypsies. But this is the guy, right? Like, it's always the other for him. Yeah. And it's it's. I mean, gypsies. So um, in 2014 and in 2017, there were uh, attempts to do a recall petition. So there were these audio tapes that had come out in 2016. And I don't know what the 2014 recall election bid was about. But in 2017, because of those original tapes, nothing really went anywhere with those petitions. So 2019, the tapes kind of more tapes come out. And so now he's dealing with the 2016 audio tapes plus the 2019 uh, additional tapes. And so these tapes allegedly are of Fout saying incredibly horrible things about blacks, women, special needs children, and his political adversaries. 
It's just, girl, but he when knows you hear some of this stuff, you're going to die. I hear you, but, like, he knows he's getting taped. Like, you know you're being taped. There's no... you. These it, tapes came out in 2014. You know someone's going to... 2016. Yes. But you know people are recording you. What the fuck are you doing? Well, so 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 some of, so when the tapes got leaked, some of the tapes were from like 2011, mm. you know. So they're like going back from different okay. times. Okay. Yes. So according to Tracy Samilton's Michigan Radio article, during the fourth bid is when these additional tapes come out. So when you hear some of the allegations, you're going to see why he's known as like the Donald Trump of Warren. Ugh. Okay. So um, I hate that. That's a thing. Uh, so th- these are allegations. They're in no particular order, and they're mixed in from um, tapes leaked from both the 2016 and 2019. And, the, and these are coming from Michigan Radio, Detroit Metro Times, Metro News, Steve Neveling's articles and the audio clips from SoundCloud. Like, you guys have to go through um, <laughs> these, these notes. So, um, and the Motor City Muckraker site. So um, he at one time compared a black woman and her daughter to chimpanzees. Oh, that's used, wonderful. Used the N-word. He um, said this regarding blacks in reference to 911 calls. Quote, I can't say this publicly. I'm wondering how many of the bullshit calls are blacks. What the fuck? I, I can't say this publicly. Right? So he knows. that. Yeah. Right, he right, knows right. that he's garbage. He knows what he's saying is wrong. They all do. And he continued in this tape, like making guesses about how many, what percentage of the calls were these sort of, you know, fake calls because they're always, they, right, are always calling the police. He used a slur in reference to gay people. <sighs> he called older women, uh, old, ugly hag, washed up and dried up and said, F that about dating them. Guess what? They don't want to date you. Yeah. This is when he's in his 70s. He's basically he's describing this. his dried up ass, by the way. He said in another tape, are you ready for this one? I mean, you know he takes Viagra. Let's just be oh, honest. please. <laughs> This is what he said in another tape. Oh, no. They are pussies when they're young, and when they get older, they're just mean, hateful, dried-up cunts. Tina, my he head was elected no, 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 in no, 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 no. 2019. I cannot. He's a current mayor. That's in fucking insane. He's a current mayor. And not only that, guess what? In that same tape, he talked about in Amsterdam how easy it is to get young girls, like 14-year-olds. <gasps> Are you Tina, out of here? Is this, I, is this fucking cruel? Is this real? This Stop is it, re- Tina. Stop. This Stop. is real. What this, in the fuck is happening right now? He, he was elected. He was elected. He was elected. He's sitting in office. He's in 2020. sitting in office right now. I, 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 what the fuck? Here's another thing he said in an alleged conversation taped from 2011. Fouts allegedly said on his way to an abused women's shelter Mm-mm. that, and mm-hmm. he was with someone another official that he'd like to hook up with an abused (gasps) woman quote i want to actually meet some abused women and say you know i'm available as a big brother or a big fucker you know meet a woman maybe about 35 that's abused and you know she's open for some abuse from the mayor tina he was elected tina i can't tina i i cannot sit here and (laughs) listen to this you have to this is this is i know there's insane it it goes on. No, oh my There's god! More. Oh more. my god! It's we have to get this guy out of office. Yes, please. We have to get this guy please. out of office. What's happening in Michigan I, right now? He was just elected for this is another. Fucked up. I don't no, know. No, if no, this no, is no, 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 no. This I cannot. I cannot abide this. This is outrageous. The thing that frightened me is 
I said, dear God, is this, is this what is, is, is leading up to 2020 election? You know what I mean? Uh, I, 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 so I'm going to continue. Okay. He said that special needs kids should be killed or put in cages. <gasps> and he <laughs> referred to them with the R word, R word. And in fact, on one of the tapes, he said, quote, they're not even human beings. He said this in reference to the Special Olympics night that was coming up. This is this is who people elected. When does, refer- does nobody vote in this town? Do they, people oh no. not go out and vote? They voted. I mean, they but voted. how many people are actually voting? Um, he won. I want to say it. It it, um, it was like fifty four percent. Oh my god! Something like that. I have the figure. So when referring, and this is a, another interesting one, when referring to his former chief of staff, this is his friend supposedly, was his friend. This is a person who's like stood by him for years, a Henry Krzysztowski. He said, he, uh, I'd like to take a gun and shoot him through the fucking head. I could easily get a gun and shoot Henry. I'd enjoy shooting him. So his friend uh, died last year. He was old, natural cause, is 88. But this is what he said about his friend. What's he saying about yeah. the people he doesn't like? We've seen, we've clearly, we've seen some of that. Wow. And um, he, in another report, was just upset about, like, I guess these recordings and things. And he's like, this is personal to me. Just like being, and I'm not going to say it, but he uh, uses a racial slur it, um, regarding uh, uh, gay people. Is personal to somebody. Being fat is personal to somebody. Being uh, a dimwit is personal to somebody. This is personal to me. It is very, it's like I've been raped, oh. like I've been accosted, mm. like you've been raped. Please. I mean, please, please, <laughs> please. I God. Know. So again, like I said, he keeps denying that those tapes are not of him and forensic testing, like I said, was done and they allegedly are him. And so the fallout, barely any, barely any, right? Because he got elected. Um, it was 57%. He, he got, I have it here. Fouts won 57% of the vote. Wow. And the only like thing he lost was he had this AM radio talk show and he no longer like has that show. So he lost like that from that radio program. But as far as political fallout, um, some folks who voted uh, for the women, the woman running against him said that they didn't like how he spoke referencing the tapes, but he had this, the support of, uh, the municipal workers union and like all of those folks. Anyway, some other points of interest that I thought um, was interesting. I, I didn't expect the drama. So there is some drama that has unfolded now that he's been elected. So um, the other members on the council had, had termed out. And so there are all these other new people running. And so all the people that he wanted to win, like the additional council seats, so like he would have his like yep. team, right. didn't win. Okay. So That's now he is thing. on the council with these other people that have pushed back against him, which is good. very good. Yes. Um, but what's the result of this? He, he won't show up to meetings. What in the fuck <laughs> is happening in this goddamn town? So, so they have, um, they had to put forth an order like to try to get him to show up. And um, the other thing that he's doing is he's refusing to allow the councilman to work. So in fact, according to France of Maycomb Daily, Fouts put an order that if a council member wants to speak to a city department head, so say like they want to talk to Parks, Parks and Rec about who the heck knows yeah. what, right? right? It has to go through his office. 
So they have to go to the mayor's office and say, can I speak to the head of Parks and Recs? And, he, and then he could go, no, you can't. How? Wait, how did he do that? How can he do that? So this is what he, I don't know how he did it, but this is what he put forth as the mayor. So the article continues noting that there's this council member, a councilman, Eddie Kabasinski, and he claims that he's been threatened with arrest for speaking to the head of the police department about bike lanes. So, and he heard about this from an, an, an informant who claimed that there, so supposedly there was this meeting where it was Fouts, a member of the mayor's office was there, and the public service director was present. And in the article quote, it says that they said if Eddie, this councilman, continues to do that, he will be criminal, criminally charged with interfering with their duties, arrested, prosecuted, and that the mayor will be removing Eddie from serving on city council. Oh, shit. Right. And then another, I mean, you can't he's do talking that. about bike lanes. I like, mean, let pe fuck? how do you get things done in a city if everyone's got to come ask you and then you're going to say yes, no? Like, let people do their job as an elected official. The people voted for them. Well, that's the part that bothers me the most is that. Now nothing's going to happen. Like there's no, nothing is going to happen in the city as far as like work and people's lives are going to be affected. Like you have to do something. Uh, and so is, these is, people have to get this motherfucker out. Yes. What the fuck? So it's a problem. Oh my God. So another council member, a Mindy Moore had this to say, I'm sure this council is not interested in being controlled or making backroom deals with secret handshakes. We want to operate openly and transparently. And believe me, we have tried to do so. So the drama like it's so it's so much drama. So on the city's website, he put out a press release at attacking the council members. And to me, it's like, are there is there nothing else going on in Warren right now that could occupy people's times? But um, when I looked at like some of the demographics, like crime, like it's got high crime rate. There's a lot of sexual assault. Like, why don't you focus on that? But it's ego. So the what egos. happened is that the council were like, well, you don't want to show up? Fine, we're having this emergency. They held a meeting anyway. Good. So he says he didn't attend it, right? Because he, you know, they've been asking him to show up. Yes, you know, he's the mayor. That's He should show up. So he claims that that meeting violates the city charter and that they're trying to do the bidding of outsiders. And this is someone who's just pissed off yeah. that he can't control all the right. people like he did before and right. he can't have his way. And he's claiming like focus needs to be on coronavirus and not meetings. So he's using the <laughs> pandemic as a way to say like, they're holding these meetings. We need to keep people safe and, and oh all of this. God. What else? So according to Christina Harl's uh, article in the Detroit Free Press, other issues the council has been fighting over, recreational marijuana use. So I guess there was like approval for that to be used in certain areas and he's like vetoing it. Um, finding city officials. So he put forth this thing that um, he wants to block and stitch. So if a city official has a personal Facebook page, right? He's saying on your personal social media, you are not allowed to talk about city business. And if you do talk about city business and say a constituent on your personal page said something, you are not allowed to block that person. And he said basically, and I get it, like maybe don't do city business on your personal page, but people use their, per they can write about what they want. And he's like, you can't block a constituent. So instead like use like the city's social media that is well, I open. feel like they have two pages, right? They'll have a personal right. page and they'll have a page of them as a commissioner. Right. So, but you, and you can't can tell people what to do on their personal Facebook pages. I know, but guess what? Not only does he want to block that, but if they do block anyone, 
he wants them to be fined a thousand dollars. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> Could you imagine how many people he blocks? I know. So, um, regardless, the f- I'm uh, going to go find him and start talking shit on his Facebook. I have so, to tell you. I know. A former city attorney says like he doesn't have the right to find anyone. Like the council Please can't do that. Get out of here. What's he doing? <laughs> He's so crazy, stupid. I can't take it. Oh my God. So. Um, in October 2019, a Gregory Murray filed an 81 count lawsuit against Major Faust and the former police commissioner, uh, Jerry Green, alleging that they fostered a racially hostile environment. And he further alleges that he was fired because he tried to bring attention to civil rights violations and racial injustice. So Ooh. that's still happening. That was just filed in October. Good. And um, this one I thought was really funny. In 2011, he refused to say how old he was when he was running. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> I know. This Let is the guy with the old dried yeah. up women, right? Again, yeah. He's, that's and really what yes. he's doing is he's talking about himself. Yes. He knows that he's uh, old as fuck. Ugh. He can't stand to look in his sorry ass face. Oh, wait till you and see listen, Wait till you, you can see age, him. But you can age gracefully. You don't have to be like this. He's so... Um, insecure about himself i mean you know what i mean so that yeah. that hate and that anger comes out in every single thing that he does and that he says so oh my god well he put on documents actually on two different occasions he put the wrong birth year oh my god so he was born in 1942 but he had put 1944 like two years i don't get it but he did it <laughs> and but the statute of limitations had ended on like if you're putting like false information on a campaign document or whatever. So they couldn't pursue it. And there were even requests through like the freedom of information act that he like reveal his documents and he still wouldn't comply. (laughs) He's so, he's so funny. this guy. So that's it. That's, it's a short and sweet one, but that's the story of James Fouts, the crude foul rank Mm. mayor of Warren that needs to go. Oh honey, we're going to, we have to get on this. Oh my God. We have to get on this. I mean, this is the person he was elected. He was elected. But so, and, 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 but and, and look who's in the White Warren, House. Like, what are you doing? I don't know, but look who's in the White House. What are the people of America doing? Like, it's, it goes all the way to the top, Tina. Yes. All the way to the top. Oh, my God. I know. Wow. Fantastic, Tina. Oh, my God. You know how to get me all worked up. I, know. <laughs> <laughs> I was doing this and I was, I just kept imagining <laughs> you freaking out. <laughs> I just, I don't. I don't know how long somebody would stay in office around here if they were saying this would never, I feel like it wouldn't. Yeah. It wouldn't happen. I mean, where we live, but the fact that this is happening in the third largest city in Michigan, I'm sure it's happening everywhere because these, because these are the people who feel emboldened. All you need is that one person. Like we were talking about in our little muck about um, Jim Noggle, the, the Fort Lauderdale mayor. You need one person to say that thing that they, that polite society says not to say like Trump does. Yeah. And you kick open that door for like, everybody's like, well now this is, these are all the things that are okay to say. And it's horrifying. I know. Okay. Get them out. So today I am going to tell you a story about U.S. Senator Gary Hart. Oh, <laughs> a little bit of monkey business. Uh-oh. Okay, this is a great quote. There's an amazing Vanity Fair article by uh, Gail Sheehy. She wrote this article about about this whole everything that, that happened and what unraveled with Gary Hart. So here's a quote that she from from her article that she wrote. If character is destiny, the character issue predicts not only the destiny of one candidate, but the potential destiny of the United States he seeks to lead. That is why it is a serious exercise to try to solve the psychological mystery of Gary Hart's demons. 
At a deeper level, the revelations raise the question of how much we really know about the character of any of the candidates running for president. How hard are we willing to work to save ourselves from waking up once more with the terrible aftertaste of a night on the town with yet another unrevealed and perfidious president? End quote. Ooh. So. Love it. Yeah. So Gary Hart was the first time that a candidate's private running around to timing was published in a way that was it was it was always uh, overlooked right the press really never they knew people like kennedy oh i was would be running around like think about yeah there was like rumors and these kinds of things but it was never talked about because nobody cared it wasn't a thing that anybody cared about and so this was the first time that a candidate was taken down essentially because of his behavior Mm. and so it really became the norm then to talk about these these issues and these things that what's what's this person really like not the issues but in the personal life how how good are they right okay so gary hart amazing interesting um beginning in his life okay so gary hart was born in ottawa kansas the son of nina and carl riley Hart Pence, a farm equipment salesman. As a young man, he worked as a laborer on the railroad. He, he and his father changed their last name to Hart in 1961 because Hart, because, quote, Hart is a lot easier to remember than Hart Pence, end quote. Raised in the Church of the Nazarene, which he ultimately left in 1968, he won a scholarship to the church-affiliated Bethany Nazarene College in Bethany, Oklahoma in 1954 and graduated with a f- philosophy degree in 1958. He met his wife, Lee, there, and they married in 1958. Okay, so initially, uh, he was initially intending to enter the Nazarene ministry. Um, he received a, received a Bachelor of Divinity from Yale Divinity School in 1961 before receiving a law degree from Yale School, a uh, law school in 1964. So then he became an attorney for the United States Department of Justice from 64 to 65 and was admitted to the Colorado um, and District of Columbia bars in 1965. Um, that religion, though, is super, like, super, super strict. And so his mother was also super, super strict. And it was just mm. a very unusual upbringing. She was also, like, what I would describe as, like, ODD. Wait, that's not right. OCD? She would be, yes, OCD, not ADD. <laughs> I was thinking ADD. OCD, where they, and she was sick all the time, too. So it was like he was constantly taking care of his mother. And, um, but she was OCD where they would move to a place, like, rent a place, she would clean, like she was obsessed with being clean, cleanliness, mm-hmm. and she would clean the entire place. And then they would just like, they moved like 16 times when he was in high school. Wow. They'd move to a new place. Sometimes within a day, she would clean the whole place. And they'd go rent another place. Like she was obsessed oh. with like, you know what I mean? So this yes. weird, and also with this religion, when you're in this religion, it's so strict that they say it kind of, um, it slows down the growth of your teenage like adolescent years because you're you are not allowed to like look at the opposite sex or like there's no romance there's no dating there's you know what I mean like everything is like strict Mm. strict strict so what happens is once they leave it's like the explosion happens where they just go haywire like they go balls to the wall right like it's out there we're gonna just go crazy that's what happened with Gary Hart you know he just left and just he was like, oh, here's nuts. the world. Yes. So he was a special assistant the to earthly desires. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was a special assistant to the solicitor of the United States Department of the Interior from 65 to 67. And then he entered a private law practice in Denver, Colorado, um, 
right after that. So in 1974, Hart ran for the United States Senate, challenging two-term incumbent Republican Peter Dominic. He was aided, Hart was aided by Colorado's trend towards Democrats during the early 1970s, as well as Dominic's continued support for the unpopular Richard President Nixon and concerns about the senator's age and health. In the general election, Hart won by a wide margin and was immediately labeled a rising star. Okay, so in 1980, he sought a second term in the Senate. His Republican opponent was Colorado Secretary of State Mary Estelle Buchanan, a moderate conservative, and um, she was kind of going after him for, like, backing some things that Jimmy Carter did. But, you know, none of this stuff stuck. And in the end, Hart won uh, by 50, 50%, 50.2% of the vote. Okay, so that was 1980. In 1984, he does his first presidential run. And this is really, this is like one of those things we talk about the convention, right? Mm. So this gets down to the convention. So in February 1983, during his second term, Hart announced his candidacy for president in the 84 presidential election. At the time of his announcement, Hart was a little-known senator and barely received above 1% in the polls against better-known candidates such as Walter Mondale, John Glenn, and Jesse Jackson. To counter this situation, Hart started campaigning early in New Hampshire, making a then-unprecedented canvassing tour in late September, months before the primary. The strategy attracted national media attention to his campaign, and by late 1983, he had risen moderately in the polls to the middle of the field, mostly at the expense of the sinking candidacies of Glenn and Alan Cranston. Mondale won the Iowa caucus in the late January, but Hart polled a respectably a respectable 16%. Two weeks later in the New Hampshire primary, he shocked much of the party establishment and the media by defeating Mondale by 10 percentage points. Wow. Yeah. Hart instantly became the main challenger to Mondale for the nomination and appeared to have the momentum on his side. But he couldn't over he couldn't overtake Mondale's like financial and yeah. like the organization. It was still a much bigger campaign. Well, he was um, more an established. Yes. And the union leaders were really going for Mondale. So it's like he really couldn't make, make a, make an, get an edgewise, you know? So Hart's campaign was chronically in debt to a final count of $4.75 million. Dang. Yeah. In states like Illinois, where delegates were elected directly by primary voters, Hart often had incomplete delegates, uh, slates. I hate these fucking, these, you know what I mean? Yeah. We just saw this recently I with know. them. Yeah. Hart's ideas were criticized as too vague and centrist by many Democrats. Shortly after he became a front runner, it was revealed that Hart had changed his last name, often listed uh, 1937 instead of 1936 as his birthday, and had changed his signature several times. I don't Why? know. I have no. You know, these are the little things uh, they're picking at, right? Yeah. So this, along with two separations from his wife in 1979 and 81, uh, caused some some to question Hart's quote flake factor. Mm. again looking for these little could you imagine these are the little things that we're looking at um heart to today yeah please i'll I'll take a a change signature yeah (laughs) hart himself admitted in an interview that he was going through a midlife crisis and focused too much on his career career neglecting his family reporters which people probably liked then oh he's a hard worker right reporters observed that the hearts appeared distant and distracted in public hart was also not close to his children often leaving his wife to raise them completely alone he and his wife briefly dated each other casually during their second separation, which occurred for a few months in 1981. Um, additionally, the Hearts had begun divorce proceedings, but had them stopped after they after they became you know they reconciled. So Hart and his wife later stated that separations caused by too much time spent apart due to the politics only strengthened their marriage. The Hearts have remained married for almost 60 years. Dang. I know. So between Mondale and Hart, because we're still in this primary fight, the two men fought to draw 
In the Super Tuesday with heart-winning states in the West, Florida, and New England, Mondale fought back and began ridiculing Hart's campaign platform. The most famous television moment of the campaign was during a debate when he mocked Hart's, quote, new ideas by quoting a line from a popular television, Wendy's television commercial at the time, where's the beef? Oh, my God. <laughs> so I good. forgot about that. So good. And there, yeah, so last night I watched this movie called The Front Runner, and um, it was from 2018, and it's about Gary Hart. And guess who plays him? Who? Uh, Hugh Jackman. <gasps> Isn't that bizarre? Oh, we have two. Two Hugh Jackman movies that are both with people we've covered in our Yes, stories. Hugh Jackman. Yeah. Why don't you come talk to us about it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they played, uh, they had a clip of that in the beginning where they say, where's the beef? Um, okay. Hart's campaign could not effectively counter this remark. And when he ran negative TV commercials against Mondale in the Illinois primary, his appeal as a new kind of Democrat never entirely recovered. Hart lost the New York and Pennsylvania primaries, but won those of Ohio and Indiana. Mm. Mondale gradually pulled away from Hart in the delicate count, but the race was not decided until June. Which is crazy, yeah. right? Mondale gradually pulled away from Hart in the delegate count. Oh, I got I just read that. Sorry. Decided that day were delegates from five states, South Dakota, New Mexico, West Virginia, California, and New Jersey. The proportional nature of delegate selection meant that Mondale was likely to obtain enough delegates on that day to secure the stated support of an overall majority of delegates and hence the nomination no matter who actually won the states uh, the states contested however hart maintained that unpledged superdelegates that had previously claimed support from mondale would shift to his side if he swept the super tuesday the third super tuesday primary oh i know once again hart committed a faux pas insulting new jersey Shortly before the primary day. Uh-oh, you can insult New Jersey. <laughs> Campaigning in California, he remarked that while the bad, quote, bad news was that he and his wife had to campaign separately, quote, the good news for her is she campaigns in California while I campaign in New Jersey. Compounding the problem when his wife interjected that she got to hold a koala bear, Hart replied that, quote, I won't tell you what I got to hold, samples of toxic waste dump in New Jersey, right? <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> While Hart won California, he lost New Jersey <laughs> after leading in polls by as much as 15 points. Dang. Don't do that. Know your um, audience, Yeah, Hart. what are you doing? <laughs> um, by the time the final primaries concluded, Mondale had a considerable lead in total, total delegates, though he was 40 delegates short of clinching the victory. Super delegates voted overwhelmingly for Mondale at the Democratic National Convention in San Francisco, making him the presidential nominee. Hart, already aware that the nomination was all but Mondale's after the final primaries, lobbied for the vice presidential slot on the ticket, claiming he would do better than Mondale against President Ronald Reagan, which was not going to happen. Yeah. While Hart was given serious consideration, Mondale chose Geraldine Ferraro instead. Um, in his address to the convention, after his name was placed in nomination for president by Nebraska Governor Bob Carey, um, and he received a 15-minute standing ovation, Hart concluded, quote, our party and our country will continue to hear from us. This is one heart you will not leave in San Francisco, end quote. Aww. People really liked him. Oh, that was kind of cute. Yeah. And he, apparently he had this gift of being able to take really complicated things about politics and break it down where people could understand it. Like he was re he's really, really smart and people really liked him. So and this this was really about introducing himself to the country. Right. It wasn't he I don't think he really thought he was going to win it. Right. But it was really about like let's set it up for the next yeah the next race okay oh no so the 1988 presidential campaign 
So Hart declined to run for re-election to the Senate, leaving office when his second term expired with the intent of running for president again. But this campaign would only last three weeks. Oh, Hart. Honey. Um, on December 20th, 1986, Hart was allegedly followed by an anonymous private investigator from a radio station where he ha- had given the Democratic Party's response to President Reagan's weekly radio address. That alleged investigator report claimed that Hart had been followed to a woman's house, photographed there, and left sometime the following morning. <gasps> Hart. Honey. This allegation would ultimately cause him to suspend his planned presidential campaign. So he hadn't announced or anything yet it was everyone just like knew yeah. yeah yeah well the thing about this guy is um and even in the 1984 campaign like they when people were talking about him running again somebody said well he can run but he better like keep his pants zipped like this is like people oh, knew so he was knew. a guy who ran around all the time he's a lothario yeah it was a real like mm-hmm. everybody knew about it but nobody of course worried about it because they thought this would never be um I mean, you know, brought up or talked or, about or be a thing. Yeah. Well, well, now that I'm, I'm thinking of the 80s, that's when like all of that, like family values, yes. all of that stuff starts coming out. Yes. Reagan's you know? in office. Yeah. It's yeah. all of this family value stuff. And not that. And, and when you think of like the 50s, of course, it was, you know, like the leave it to beaver family thing. But men were given sort of the the, the leeway to. Yeah. Be men, right? Yes. And and run around and that's why with Kennedy and all of I always think Kennedy, like I said, because like he's sort of like the yeah. epitome of the guy who ran around on his wife all the time. Um, I it's probably that family values and that bringing in of like that the whole evangelical because all yes. that stuff is happening with Reagan that's now changing our the the American mindset, I guess, on on how we view our politicians and yes. what we expect from them. Yes. It's interesting. It is. Yeah. And Clinton wasn't that far along after this. Right. You know what I mean? Like within 10 years of this. Okay. So after Mario Cuomo announced that he would not enter the race in February 1987, Hart was the clear front runner for the Democratic nomination in the 1988 election. Hart officially declared his candidacy on April 13th, 1987. When Louis Romano, I'm sorry, when Lois Romano, a reporter for the Washington Post, asked Hart to respond to rumors spread by other campaigns that he was a womanizer, Hart said such candidates were, quote, not going to win that way because you don't get to the top by tearing someone else down, end quote. He never really, he'd get angry if you asked him questions about this. He'd say, my private life is my private, it's none of your business. Like he would get very angry and was almost like, how dare you? How dare you? And this is the larger question of private versus public. Yeah. If someone is having an affair, does that disqualify you from being? Yeah you know, uh, a senator or a congressman or whatever it is, you know, um, I, I think that's a private issue, mm-hmm. but it does speak to your character. So I can see, right. Because it is a deceit. Yes. It's, it's a very, it's very, and it's muddy waters. The thing with, what was that governor of New York who was caught with the sex worker and he liked her feet and stuff like that? What was oh, that guy's oh. name who was taken down? Who was like a huge star in the party? Um, do you know what I'm talking about? I'm going to look it up. Spitzer? Yes. Okay. That governor, uh, Elliot Spitzer, he, um, the thing is, is that when, when, if some, if the person who, if anybody can blackmail you with this information, all of a sudden you're a liability, right? And so let's say there's somebody who wants to be part of, um, you know, uh, sit on a board at like the port or something like we talked about before, like 
they would use that information to man- manipulate him to to give right. them something they want. And so it, it's a liability if it you is. are running around and doing something that could be used against you. You know? Yeah. So that that could be a problem. Um, okay. <sighs> so the New York Post reported that comment on its front page with the headline in in. The headline was, quote, straight from the heart, followed by below with a big block letters, quote, Gary, I'm no womanizer. <laughs> and then a summary of the story, basically a Dem blasts uh, rivals over sex life rumors. So, again, here's this like it's kind of creeping out a little bit, but it's not really out there. There's no proof. Yes. As of yet. Yes. So Uh-oh. here we go. In late April 1987, the Miami Herald claimed that an anonymous informant contacted the paper to relate that Hart was having an affair with a friend, claimed it was the equivalent, and then they claimed it was the equivalent of the Iran-Contra Iran scandal, because that was happening at this time. Right. People sort of, like, Reagan was like, all this stuff, these lies were coming out, and yes. people were like, what the fuck's going on? So provide they provided details about the affair, and they told the Herald that Hart was going to meet this person at the at his Washington, D.C. townhouse on, on May 1st. Okay. Wow. You can have some details. Yes. And in the archives of Miami Herald, we'll have the link in our notes. You can go read their breakdown because the Herald caught a lot of shit because of this. But they go through their detail of the information. So the informant told them he's going to meet in D.C. And so the guy who she was talking to was the person covering the Hart campaign. And he looked at his his itinerary and he was like, no, Hart's going to be at the Kentucky Derby this weekend. She's like, I don't know. She's leaving Friday um, to, to go to the airport Friday night, she's flying up there and he's like, what the fuck? So then like a couple days, she, he's like, that's bullshit. You're not going to give me your name. Bye. Like hangs up. Right. So like the next day he gets a fax of a new itinerary that's <gasps> been canceled. The Uh-oh. weekend plans have been canceled on Hart's schedule and it's, oh, he's going to be at his DC. He's going to be in DC working. And so Uh-oh. this like fucking thing goes off in this guy's so head and like, he's like, what the fuck? I'm going to go so, check it out. Yeah. He goes to this investigative reporter who works in the Herald and he was like, I need your help. And so he starts telling him all of this and he was like, well, let's go to the airport. Like, let's go. God, and, I love like, this. No I clothes, this. just their wallets. Like, let's go stand at the airport. And there was like five flight or low. I'm sorry, like three flights leaving that night. And they to just go hopped there. on. Yeah. And so the way that the woman described what her friend looked like, like she's blonde, she's tall. She looks like a model. Like, you can't miss her, right? So what all kind of a sudden, friend is this if she's yeah. ratting her? Yeah. So all of a sudden... Well, because this woman was bothered. Right. Right? Like, this guy's running for office. What the yes, fuck? Right? Yes. Okay. So, basically, that's what she was saying. So, they see this woman. And they assume, like, okay, this must be her. And they get tickets. They get on the flight. Same flight. They follow no. her. Follow her Holy in a cab. Holy I love this. Yes. Followed her in a cab to his townhouse. No. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me tell you another piece. They called a Washington Post reporter and was like, do you know where... What, where's this guy's, where does, where does Gary Hart live in DC? And they're, cause, cause the, cause the reporter from Miami Herald was like, where he, am I going to go? He's got a yeah. house over here. It's not, he doesn't live in DC. And the guy's like, oh, no, no, no. He rents an apartment from this person at this townhouse. Mm. And it's like, everything starts to like yes. fit together. So they go there, they follow her. She gets out. She goes into this townhouse. They're sitting in a car. This is so wild. Yeah. I mean, this is wild. Yeah. Let's just wait for some chick and hop yeah. on the same yes. plane. And they did. Oh. And they followed her. So then they're sitting in the cab and the cab driver's like, what the fuck? Like, get out, right? <laughs> they're like, no, no, just wait a yeah. second, wait a second. And a few minutes later, they come out together, arm Ooh. in arm. And he, they're going, holy shit, holy shit. Because they were like a, they were, they were hesitant because they're like, is this appropriate? Yeah. Like, are we supposed to be doing whatever? Anyway, they rent a car. 
They sit outside his house the whole weekend. At one point, they get a photographer. They call a photographer in Washington Post. No, he gets in the they car. <laughs> they hire this guy. He gets in the back seat. At I one point, this, I want to see this movie. <laughs> you have to see it. It's amazing. At one point, um, they uh, Hart comes out to get something like something. Somebody drops something off from the campaign, and he sees these guys in the car. Oh, and he's like, "What the fuck?" Meanwhile, this chick's in the house, right? Yes, and he's like, "What the fuck?" Right? So he's like, "I don't know." who they are he thought they were from the opposing side like the bush campaign camp oh. bush was bush was going to be running against him right george yes. the first george bush he thought well he was the head of the uh like cia or fbi whatever yeah, yeah, like yeah. he's gonna maybe yeah. they're staking out who knows we don't know yeah. who the fuck these people are but i got this chicken out right listen, so listen it's crazy. If, it, if it was secret service uh cia yeah. fbi he wouldn't have seen them <laughs> yes exactly right because these are like bumbling yeah. like they don't know what the fuck they're doing so um, he sees them. He's looking out the window. He sees them sitting in there. So he comes out in the middle of the night, gets in his car, like he's going to go somewhere and he starts the car and the car, he's, he's looking in his mirror and he sees them and he starts the car, he turns his lights on and all of a sudden the lights of the other car go on, right? The reporters, because oh, no. they're going to follow him. Yes. So then he turns the car off and he walks, he can walk behind his house to where there's like an alley between his house and the next house. And he's, he goes behind the corner. So, of course, these guys are like, fuck, we're made, right? So they get out of the car. They go in the alley. They go, no. around, the, they go around the corner. And he's leaning up against the wall looking at them, like waiting for them to come. And he's like, what's up? What are you doing? Who are you? What are you doing? So wow. he recognizes this one guy, Tom Fiedler, who's on his campaign. As, <gasps> he works with Miami Herald, but he covers. He's like, Tom, what are you doing here? And so there's this whole back and forth. Oh, no. Which you can see in the archives because they had to well document all of this about the back and forth. It is so fucking incredible. But it was really like, who's this woman in your house? Who's this lady? Um, I'm not at liberty to say. Right. Does she work for your campaign? Like, they really were like, does she work for your campaign? Well, yeah. I don't know. No, I'm not going to name her name. She has, she has a right to privacy. Well, what is, has she been staying at your house? No, she hasn't been staying here. Well, we've been watching and she hasn't left. Has she been spending like, is this somebody that you know? Is she a friend of your wife? Like, who is this person? You, I'm entitled to my privacy. You don't like it was this. Uh, what's he going to say? Yeah, meanwhile, the photographer's like taking pictures. There's a picture of him, uh, you know, in this alley talking to them. It's insane. I love this so much. Yeah. I so they immediately so go back to their hotel and start writing this story. And they, they're calling, it's like the two o'clock in the morning, they're calling Miami Herald, it's Sunday, two o'clock like, in the morning. They're like, we gotta put this out. This has to be on get the front the page. Get the presses. Yeah. Roll and out the presses. Yeah. <laughs> and then they pull out this story that hadn't come out yet. It was from the Washington Post where he quotes, he has this quote saying, oh, you don't believe me? Follow me around, right? <gasps> so they're like, he's oh. asking us to do this, right? Like he's asking <laughs> us to follow him around. So they oh, decide no. to put it out. And meanwhile, he's already called like everybody on his campaign, like, I'm, we got I'm we screwed. got a problem yeah donna rice is the woman who he's been running around with she's sitting in the house and they're she's asking like now i questions. can't leave yeah asking her questions asking her questions they she's like i just want to go home like i don't know what the fuck is going like i just want to go home and um basically they did something kind of shady this woman was working on his campaign and she drove her to the airport and kind of like pretended to be her friend and got a lot of information out of her. Like her boyfriend was in jail for selling drugs and she had dated a guy who like stole her car. I don't know. Or like, like just trying to get information about her to put it out as if she's horrible, not a good lady. Oh no. Um, and so, and no, didn't really tell her, of course they're going to railroad her. Yeah. And ha did not tell her that her name had already been put out and that <gasps> she, um, 
when she thought she was going back to Miami, she thought that nobody knew what had happened. She had no idea that it had already been on the front page of the paper. Dear God, so she lands. Is it just like reporters everywhere? Yeah, she goes. So this woman takes her to the airport and she goes down this. I mean, this is in the movie, but, you know, it's based on the story. Yeah. The what they show. Yeah. So she goes down this escalator and there's all these reporters going Donna, Donna, Donna. And she looks back and that woman's like gone, you know, because nice. it's over. Yeah. So it got printed on the front page of Sunday, uh, New York, uh, Miami Herald. And then the Miami Herald starts getting all kinds of shit about why are you, why are you printing paper? Why are you printing about this relationship? And he was like, they were stalking, they were hiding in the bushes of my house. Like, what about this? How, how could you do this? How could you? Yes. You're a public official. Yes. But now it changed the way, it changed the way that people reported about, like, this is now something that can be printed. Right. And so more information had come out about him and another woman and more pictures. And the Ooh. Washington Post is like, now we can put this up. And one of the reporters was like, well, this is basically gossip. Now we're like the National Enquirer. And they're like, yeah, but now this door is open. If we don't do it, somebody else will. Right. Right. So it well, changed like all of that. Right. And I see the point of it being you don't want it to be a tabloid. But when you have direct evidence and it's a public affair, like that's a little bit different. Yes. I think so too. You know, we're talking about mm. the character of these people. Dang. I know. So, and he kept saying, denying it. That's I know, the thing. I know. <clears throat> so, on Sunday that night, you know, after the paper, the article had come out, Hart's campaign denied any scandal and condemned the Herald's reporters for intrusive reporting. He was more like, they're the bad guys. And really, the people at one point, the guy in his campaign was like, yeah, but if you weren't doing this, right. then this shit would not be half. There's nothing to fucking print. Right. right? Like, hello. You just fucked everybody who's been working on this campaign. It was like rooting for you, you dick, you know? Hart later noted that his, quote, follow me around comment was not challenging the press with a taunt, but made in frustration, was only intended to invite the media to observe his public behavior and never intended to invite reporters to be, quote, stalking, stalking around in the shadows, quote, of his home. Yeah, but but you're talking about, you're in response to an affair that you're having. Yeah. So that is your private life. Yeah. So where else are they going to find your, this guy, please. I know. So the next day on Monday, the young woman was identified as Donna Rice and she gave a press conference also denying any sexual relationship with Hart. Hart insisted that his interest in Rice was limited to her working as a campaign aide. Okay. So they had met on um, a party boat, basically the first week of his campaign um, and the boat went from Miami to Bimini and the party was kind of put together by this um, Louisiana lobbyist. And there was a picture of him, her sitting on his lap. Okay. And it's a really famous photo because this is the picture that that woman had. She, the friend that called sold this picture to the national choir, like two weeks Dang, into this mess This friend for all kinds of money. Donna must have done something to this friend. Yes. To piss her off. But the name of the boat was monkey business. And he had a t-shirt on that said monkey business crew. Like he was wearing a shirt that said oh. monkey business and this girl was sitting on his lap. It's, it's kind of fucking oh, hilarious. So, um, God, uh, the scandal spread rapidly through the national media as did another damaging story about angry creditors of the $1.3 million debt Hart had incurred in the 1984 campaign. Media questions about the affair came to dominate coverage of Hart's campaign, but his staff believed that voters were not as interested in the topic as the media was. A Gallup poll conducted the week that week for Newsweek found that 55% of Democrats believed that Hart had been truthful and 44% of them concern, were concerned about this issue. 
the polling of all voters was even more favorable favorable to Hart. Nearly two-thirds, or 64% of the respondents it surveyed, thought the media treatment of Hart was, quote, unfair, and 70% disapproved of covert surveillance by the media. A little over... Listen, they were going on a hunch. They were going on a call. What are they going to do? A little over 50... It was going to come out sooner or later. It's going to come out whether you're in office or during your campaign. You're fucking everything that moves. (sighs) A a little over 50, half, 53% responded that marital infidelity had little to do with a president's ability to govern. This is 1988. Uh, Time magazine had similar results of those polled. 67% disapproved of the media writing about a candidate's sex life. And 60% stated that Hart's relationship with Rice was irrelevant to the presidency. Hmm. very interesting to me how quickly this all changed i know um on may 8th 19 and i also think it depends on the party yes right if, if it's democrat which he was we're very easy to uh forgive and forget yes on may 8th 1987 a week after the his, the story broke hart suspended his campaign after the washington post threatened to run a story about a woman hart had dated while separated from his wife and his wife and daughter became similar subjects of interest for the tabloid journalists. Mm. I don't condone that. No. At, at a press conference, Hart defiantly stated, quote, I said that I bend, but I don't break. And believe me, I'm not broken. Mm. Hart identified the invasive ma- media coverage and its need to dissect him as his reason for suspending his campaign. He said, quote, if someone's able to throw up a smoke screen and keep it up there long enough, you can't get your message across. You can't raise the money to finance a campaign. There's too much static and you can't communicate. Clearly, under the present circumstances, this campaign cannot go on. I refuse to submit my family and my friends and innocent people and myself to further rumors and gossip. Mm. It's simply an intolerable situation. End quote. Hart paraphrased, paraphrased Thomas Jefferson and warned, quote, I tremble for my country when I think we may, in fact, get the kind of leaders we deserve. Hart later recalled, I watched journalists become animals, literally. Again, your family... And you and your friends are not subject to rumors. You were fucking other women. Like, what are we talking about? Why are you throwing this off as if you didn't do something wrong? Right? Like, he's still blaming everybody else for his fucking bullshit. Mm. The New York Times said that some compared Hart's press conference to Richard Nixon's, quote, last press conference of November 7th, 1962, in which Nixon blamed the media for his loss in the 1962 California gubernatorial election and did not take responsibility for his own actions. Having withdrawn from the presidential race, Hart left for Ireland to spend some time away from the media with his son. Okay. In December 1987, Hart returned to the race, declaring on the steps of the New Hampshire State House, let's let the people decide. Oh, <laughs> Hart said that the other candidates did not represent his new ideas of strategic investment, economics, military reform, and enlightened engagement in foreign policy. Hart warned we could lose more young Americans unnecessarily in the Persian Gulf. He initially rose to the top of the polls nationally and second behind Massachusetts Governor Michael Dukakis in New Hampshire, but was soon confronted with more negative stories about prior debts from his 1984 campaign. He competed in New Hampshire primary and received 4,888 votes after the super tuesday contest on march 8th he in which he won no more than five percent of the vote hart withdrew from the campaign a second time eventually democratic nominee michael dukakis lost the 1988 u.s presidential election by a substantial margin in both the popular and electoral vote by margins unequal since winning in only 10 of 50 states 
So after the presidential run, Hart went back to practicing law. In 2009, he co-chaired the Hart-Rudman Task Force on Homeland Security, served on the Homeland Security Advisory Council, and in 2014, he was the United States Special Envoy for Northern Ireland. Mm. He earned a doctorate in politics from the University of Oxford and was has written for several outlets, such as the, the Huffington Post. He's written, written several books, including a biography of President James Moore, Monroe, and he's still married to the same woman. Oh, bless her heart. And that is the story of Gary Hart. My God. <laughs> it's so interesting. It's so good. Well, and then it, what, what's even more interesting, too, is our current person. Yeah. In uh, the White House. No one cares. I know. You know, the family values party. Right. Three marriages, cheating, assault. We'll throw that all to the wayside. Yeah. But it's like, but it's both sides. We both, we both sides will forgive and forget when right. it comes to just winning. Right. And how are we winning as an America, as a country, if we're allowing these pieces of shit to do this? And really it's a, it was a huge discussion at the time between um, married couples of like, the wives were like, fuck this guy. And husbands yeah. was like, what's the big deal? Right. Right. <laughs> huge discussions between yeah. men and women about how important that is to be this character. But we also have to be aware of this purity test, right? right? Like he seems like a great guy. Okay. So he wants to like, is then why yeah, be married? Yeah. Why, you know? Well, I think with the, why be married part is in our, ele- I mean, everything is about showing yourself as this family person, right? You know, and that it, when someone isn't married, yeah, there's always these questions like, why aren't they married? What's yeah, going on? The trust, you know, can and they so, be trusted? That kind of weird thing. Yeah. So it's, it's, I think because we have, like you said, this purity test, like mm-hmm. that politicians have to like fit this persona yeah. to even be considered. Right. Where, who cares? Yeah. You know what I mean? I hear Look you. at what happened with, um, Katie Hill, you know, yes. like, you know, the, the thruple and all of those things, like people have this visceral reaction to relationships that don't match what they expect like a you know accepted form of relationship to be and so for her everything exploded in a different way right you know right got it so it's tough it's tough because you know like I said earlier just because you have an affair does that really influence? But then again, when you have people like you said that could use that against you, then you are being influenced. So it's really, it's so, it's like that gray area. Yeah. It really is. I know. Uh, so good. Yes. So this was a great episode. I feel like I, I, I love our long episodes, but when we can keep it short and sweet for our, 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 our listeners, it's probably yes. a really good thing. <laughs> um, but yeah, so... I'm going to say once again, Black Lives Matter, and I yeah. hope everybody's out there doing what you can. There's amazing organizations you can donate money to oh that do. You can donate. You can sign petitions. You can make phone calls. Yeah. You know, you can call the DA offices in these states for, um, you know, Breonna Taylor, for uh, Ahmaud Arbery, for George Floyd. So there's a lot of ways that you can make your voice heard. Um, if you can't be physically present somewhere, you can still um, do things put money somewhere, yeah. make a phone call, sign a petition, do things, Yep. actively engage with um, organizations to see how you can help. Yeah. So, you know, as white folks, like we have to do our part to um, be allies to these communities of color and really 
not take up their space, not you, not you up, not elevate our voices, but just stand uh, with them because these communities are in a lot of pain and show up where you can and however you can Yeah, do what you can stay safe and be good to one another because you know this is all we got we we got it we gotta we gotta survive this yeah okay and vote vote all right i'll see you next week Bye. bye if you want to see any photos or take a deeper dive into our stories, please follow the episode notes on our website, themuckpodcast.fireside.fm, and be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Muck Podcast. To support The Muck Podcast, please visit our Patreon page. We have three levels of support and different goodies for each level, Muckraker, Policy Wonk, or Bleeding Heart. We can't do it without you. Music for The Muck Podcast, written and performed by Sean Doherty.